0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit, amen. We're gonna start off today with a little activity, a little game, okay? So wake up, stretch yourself out a little bit, all right? Here's what we're gonna do. It's called the love-hate game. If you love, I'm gonna read off a couple things. If you love the thing that I read off, I wanna see both hands in the air. If you only like that thing, just one hand, and if you hate that thing, both hands down, All right. We got it. That's super simple. I think even you guys can get it, all right? First thing, cold weather. If you are all about that cold weather, get those two hands up because that's me. I love cold weather, all right? If you're only kind of like it, like, yeah, I can handle it, one hand. And if you hate it, both hands down. like, I live in Houston for a reason, all right? Cool, cool, cool. What about sushi? Any lovers of sushi, two hands? I love sushi. Uchi, if you've not been to Uchi Sushi here in Houston, whew, it is good stuff. All right, so sushi. This one, this one, we're in Texas. Country music. Country music fans, if your hands are both down, uh, March 6th, you may want to find a different church that day. Just saying, we're going to have a little extra twang that day. All right. Uh, all right, let's see. This one's divisive. This one's, div- and it's actually genetic too. Cilantro. Cilantro. Some people, I'm actually, I'm not a big fan. They say genetically, uh, it tastes different for certain people. Uh, My wife, she says it tastes like soap. So, cilantro. And then the last one, uh, I don't think this one's gonna be divisive at all. Uh, The University of Texas Longhorns. Are you hissing? Okay, hissing, there you go. All right, so the reason that we did that is to show that that sometimes in our lives we have some divisions, we have some things we disagree on, some things we love, some things we hate. Uh, we're gonna be taking a look at Psalm 37, which was our Old Testament reading for today. Also looking at our gospel reading uh, where we talked about turning the other cheek and the idea of division and perhaps how sometimes Um, it isn't as beneficial as perhaps we even think. Before we go into that, if you could join me in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today, for this chance that we can come together and worship you, whether in person or online, for the fact that we we live in an age where folks can join us from wherever and whenever they may be. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the chance to share this message, and I pray that it is your message. Lord, let your word, let your truth, let your love be proclaimed in this place. I submit myself to your Holy Spirit to work in this room and through these words, and I pray that all who hear it would be willing to do the same, to submit themselves to you and to your Holy Spirit, to speak to each and every one of us in a unique and powerful way. We pray all these things through your son, Jesus. In his name, amen. Well, if you've been tracking along, we've been going through a sermon series looking at the Psalms. Uh, We've covered a good number of them. If you missed any of them, they're available on our website as well as our YouTube link, which is on our website. Um, And and traditionally, what I would do in this time is I'd take out the Bible and I'd read the whole Psalm again. Uh, We didn't even hear the whole Psalm during our reading earlier uh, because Psalm 37 is really long, uh, it, it, like not quite Psalm 119 length, but really, really long. And the reason for that is actually it has the same structure as Psalm 119. It's what's called an acrostic. Uh, and an acrostic is that it goes uh, verse by verse, or in this case, every other verse is represented a, a, uh, a Hebrew letter in the alphabet. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hay, Vav, Zayin, Het, Tet, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and so each one kind of goes to the next letter. And that's why a nice reminder of the poetic nature of Psalms, Uh, and as an aside, I once preached a sermon called the ABCs of living in a foreign land, where I used every letter of the English alphabet as my points for the sermon, because I got to like age, and I was like, well, I'm this far, I might as well keep going. Uh, I'm not doing that today. Don't worry, there are not 26 points to today's sermon that we'd be here for a while. Uh, Today, we're going with the traditional good old pastor, three points, they all start with the same letter, all right? Uh, But today we are pulling from Psalm 37. Uh, If you are watching online, I recognize some watch just the sermon. I would recommend pausing the video, going and reading Psalm 37, at least the first like 17 or so verses. Uh, Just just get an idea. We're also going to be looking at our Luke chapter 6 gospel reading. But today, as I look at those, my three points that we're going to be talking about are about our spiritual maturity how we can grow spiritually. And they kind of stack on top of each other with the the first one kind of serving as a foundation and then getting a little bit higher up in that growth. Um, And so the first one is, is to sit. As I look at Psalm 37, something that stands out to me is the idea of just sitting and letting God be God rather than trying to strive to to bring others down a peg, rather than trying to to win justice and and say, well, this person obtained this in the wrong way or, or I tried to do this and I didn't, just sit and let God be God. What you can control is yourself. You can control your own morality. You control your own integrity. You can control your decisions in life. That's what you should work on. That's kind of what Psalm 37 is getting at. Stop focusing on other people. Stop judging other people. Stop saying, well, they did this, right? It sounds like we're a bunch of four-year-olds tattletaling on one another. Well, did you hear what so-and-so did? Stop focusing on what others did and instead look at your own life figure out how you can be more and more like God, how, how you can follow God's way, right? So we just kind of sit in God's power. We sit and we trust in God. And that sounds so foundational, to trust in God, right? Because the very bottom part of this growth of spirituality, this maturity that we have, the very bottom part is, is recognizing that God is real, right? That's the, the first kind of step. But then after that is, is putting our trust in him. It's very foundational, and yet there it is. We must find a way to trust in God. We focus on what we control, that we focus on our own actions, our own morality, our own integrity, which leads me to my second point. We sit, and then we see. And I mean see. Look around you with honesty, with open eyes, and be willing to take in what you actually see, because the reality is, as we look at this world, as we, we see what's going on around us, we have this obsession with enemies, creating enemies, seeing us versus them, right? This happens in politics. This happens college sports, apparently. This happens all over the place. We have, I mean, even like the, the brand of truck you drive, we create this us and them mentality, and what's happening is we're creating this division. It happens even within church. Oh, you go to that church. Oh, uh-huh. oh, oh, you go, you go to that service. Uh huh, uh huh. And we're creating this division. Well, it seems like, as first glance, Psalm thirty-seven maybe is reinforcing that idea of division, right? Because it sets up this whole idea of the wicked and the righteous. And it says, the wicked will not prosper. They may prosper in this world, but ultimately they will perish. But the righteous, the righteous will be blessed. And we're going, yeah, that sounds good. Maybe we should pause a second on that. Because if that's our division, the the wicked and the righteous, we may not like which side we're on. If we're being honest, if God's saying, all right, over here is the wicked and over here is the righteous, we may not be on the team we think we are. If you remember a couple months ago in a sermon, I talked about how if God were to divide us into sinners and non-sinners, there's Jesus Christ of Nazareth sitting by himself in this category, and then there's everyone else. And so when we come to this division of the righteous and the wicked, uh, we should perhaps be a little more cognizant. We should maybe pump the brakes on praying that those who have turned away from God receive their just deserts. I'm reminded of the story of Jonah, right? Jonah is called by God himself to go to the city of Nineveh, a place that had turned its back on God, a place that was wicked, truly. And Jonah says, eh, I'm not so sure about that. And he tries to go the other way. And there's a whole misadventure there. And eventually he, he relents and, and perhaps through obligation, perhaps in spite of himself, he does go and proclaim the word of God to Nineveh, right? Right? And then it says that he goes and he sits. And he's looking out over the city. And what is he doing? He's waiting for their destruction because he's pretty sure this whole righteous and wicked thing is about to go down. But what happens? God comes and says, Jonah, why are you so angry? And he says, because these people have turned against you. They've gone away from you, God, and they deserve destruction. And God says, Jonah, you still smell like whale. See, we sometimes still smell like whale. You see what I'm getting at? Sometimes we're so busy looking at others and judging how, how they've turned their back on God, how they have their mistakes in life. Oh, did you hear what she did? Did you hear what he did? But if we look at ourselves, we're not perfect. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every last one of us. It doesn't matter if you were born in the church and have been going to church every Sunday and you, you come to every Wednesday service, you got season tickets to church. It doesn't matter. You're still one of those who have fallen short of the glory of God. doesn't matter if you have your masters of divinity. I have fallen short of the glory of God. And so when, once we sit and we recognize that God's in control and then we take a look around and we see We see the state of the world, we see the state of ourselves, and we say, listen, I'm not where I should be. And then we realize the power of God's grace, because what does he do with Nineveh? He offers them grace. He offers them love. He offers them forgiveness, and he offers that to us as well. That's what we see in our gospel reading. It says that God loves his enemies, and praise God that he does, because that is us. God loves the wicked and praise God that he does because that is us. That's the message of Christianity. That's why we're here. That is our purpose, that we are forgiven. And once we grab hold of that, once we, ha- we say, God, I trust in you, God, I see that I have fallen short and that you have made me whole again, the last little rung there is speak. We sit, we see, we speak because that's the last step. Once you've made that faith your own, once you have the Holy Spirit inspiring that faith within you, you take it and you share it. You proclaim it. Because there are so many in this world who need to hear hope. They need to hear that they're forgiven. They need to hear that this burden of guilt and shame that they've been carrying around is no longer theirs to carry because Jesus Christ forgives them. That is owning our faith. That's speaking it, that's sharing our faith. That's the power of Christianity. But we, I could end the sermon there. I could just say, well, that's that. You know, we, we, we see, or we sit, we see, we speak. But there's a little extra bonus bit here. You're gonna get a double sermon today, essentially. Um, it, I'm not going all 26 letters, but I do have three more points, okay? Uh, and, and that's this. As I was looking at Psalm 37, I couldn't help but notice that there are a bunch of, of illustrations about plants, It talks about how the wicked will will dry up like grass, something that that we know here in Houston. Um, and, And then actually there's a line, it's in verse three, and it's horribly translated. Excuse me, it's, yeah, verse three. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. That is a terrible translation, befriend faithfulness. What that word actually there, befriend, is tend, like tending a garden. Or, or even like tending, uh, being a shepherd and tending your flock. But, but the idea of tending your garden, because it comes right after that the, the other people will wither up like grass, wither like a green herb, right? And when you tend plants, if you have a green thumb, um, you know that there are certain things you have to do. And so as I consider this metaphor of caring for plants, I've got a, a fiddle leaf fig in my office. And like every day I come in, I'm like, well, how you doing, buddy? Because they are just, they are fickle little creatures. Uh, and I'm, you know, I check like, oh, you need more light, you need more water, right? And so with this in mind, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look at relationships because that's part of Psalm 37. That's part of loving your enemies. We're gonna take a look at relationships that we have with each other. Relationships we have with ourself and our relationship with God. The first thing we can learn as we consider the Psalm 37, we consider the plants is to water it, right? You gotta put that water, you gotta put that nutrients, you gotta provide some sustenance for it. And it means intentionally spending time. That means going to the people in your life and, and offering words of affirmation, Quality time, acts of service, all the love language things. If you don't know your love language, I would challenge you to go online, look it up, figure out which one is you, and then start speaking it, because that's how we water those relationships in our life. It's that intentionality. That means intentionally watering and caring for yourself, too. We're not so good at that in our modern culture. But take the time to care for yourself and then take the time to be with God, right? That that watering relationship with God, caring for it, nurturing it, helping it to grow, giving it what it needs to continue to grow so that you go from sitting to seeing to speaking. The second thing, so we we water it and then we watch, right? Right? It's watching it. Like right now, I got my fiddle leaf fig. I got one little leaf coming in that's got red spots on it. I have to look up what that means. Apparently, I'm either watering it too much or not enough. I don't know, something in between. Um, but you watch. Watch for symptoms of brokenness. Watch as perhaps a friend starts pulling away or they're less apt to respond to a text message or maybe they just don't seem right. Maybe it's something between the two of you. Maybe it's something within them. Help them, speak to them. Don't just cut them off and say, well, uh, I guess that fell apart. No, pick up the phone, text them, call them, whatever. Reach out, watch those relationships. Watch your spirituality. If you find yourself coming to church and it's becoming just rote and boring, ask yourself why. Like you're in the presence of the almighty God right now. This is powerful, miraculous stuff. What's happening that's causing that plant to wither? watch it. And then lastly, anybody who has worked with any sort of plans knows that you have to wait. I can go in there and water my plant right now, and it's not going to spring back to life. I got to wait a couple days, see what happens. It takes patience. Any good relationship requires patience. If you have years of, of bad relationship situations in your past, it's not going to be like one apology and everything's fine. It takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes watering and caring for it. It takes watching and seeing the symptoms. And then it takes that patience. Because my friends, God wants to see you grow. God desperately wants to see you continue to grow closer and closer to him so that more and more people may hear that message because it's all about his kingdom. We have an opportunity to do amazing things in this community through who God made you to be, through who God made this church to be. And so let's nurture it. Let's help it to grow. Let's water it and watch it and wait and see what God's doing because God is powerful. God is loving and God is for all. He doesn't want to see anybody suffer. So as you go out this week, I pray that you can, you can take the time to just sit and be with God, to see what God is showing you, what he's saying to you, what he's pointing out to you, and then that you can speak that to others, that you can put your faith into words and say, listen, this is the reason for the hope that I have, and that everything that we do is because of and through Jesus Christ, who gives us hope, who gives us life, who, yes, gives us love. Amen.